0: Well, hey, morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning and thankful to be here. Uh, hadn't it been a great time of worship already? Didn't the team do just a great job of encouraging our hearts? I'm really thankful for that. Also, I want to take a moment, uh, shout out to all those in the video venue in the centrum. We're really glad you guys are here and we welcome you into the room as well. And uh, I love the series that Nate began last weekend talking about this fight that we have, the fight. Uh, for the things that God wants us to fight for, and this weekend is about the heart. And anytime you deal with the heart, you got to talk about some emotional things and, and our journey and, and things that happen that way. Uh, how many are movie lovers? A few movie lovers out there. Uh, how many have seen yourself change the movies that you like as your kids have gotten older? Okay, uh, yeah, that seemed to happen a lot to us. We'd see a few animated things Or way back in the day in the late 80s. Maybe Little Mermaid came out, something like that. The next thing you know, I, I'm letting uh, uh, Tommy Boy Changed My Life, because I'm, I'm bonding with our, our high school kids, you know, about Chris Farley, and I, not to say that that ever influenced me too much in my preaching, but I did do a whole series one time called That's Gonna Leave a Mark, so I, I, I confess that. That's a little bit of the thing within me. Um, one of the neatest movies I think I, I've seen a few years ago, we even did a, a little few-week series to play off of that, it's called Inside Out. It's an animated film, got a little clip to look at here in just a moment, but let me set it up so it'll make sense. Uh, the, the kind of the premise of the whole movie is a family moves from, I think, maybe Minnesota, where they play a lot of hockey and a lot of winter sports, out to San Francisco because of the dad's job. It's kind of a hard thing for their uh, young daughter, who's maybe all 11 or 12 years old, and they're all going through all the emotional readjustments from a move that can happen in any relocation. Now, in the movie, it has in each person, each character, five different emotions that can govern and direct how that person responds: Joy, sadness, uh, disgust, and fear, and anger, the big one on anger, all right? So you'll see all those things come about. This weekend, we talk about anger. And our heart and dealing with that and what God says about that. But in the movie, you'll see that each one has a little bit of a different response. Now, the daughter is at a little bit of a, a disadvantage because joy has had to chase sadness uh, away to kind of salvage her. So there's no joy or sadness. So the daughter is left with dealing with disgust and fear and anger is the only thing that will help her out. It also shows the mother and father's response. You'll get a kick out of that. Let's take a look at the clip, all right? We always see it a little bit differently, don't we? Yeah, when anger kind of drives the bus for all of us, you never know where you're going to wind up. So I'm thankful you're here this weekend because we want to unpack for the next few minutes What God says about how we can navigate and how we can go through those things individually and as a family. Now, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along or your Bible app, we're in Ephesians chapter four and we're only on three verses. We'll refer to a couple others, but primarily today in Ephesians four verses 25, 26, and 27. Let's let's read those. Let me read them to you. Out of the New Living Translation simply says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we're all part of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, if you're like me, you love to just soak on a passage for a moment and say, okay, let me think about that. Because what he's saying we need to do is really hard. Not let a day go by that we don't deal with the anger within us and our own reaction. There's a few words that seem to pop up for me. The word of lies and understanding, okay, that means no misrepresentation or fabrication or misleading, anything like that. He uses the word neighbors, that we, we, we really we ought to deal with our neighbors that way, and it's more than just the good Samaritan, everybody is our neighbor. It's almost like there's an implication in this passage that he's talking about spiritual neighbors, and that's you and me, the person that you're seated next to, the person that you park next to today, all of us together. The word control jumps off the page and helps me realize I've got to make sure I don't Abdicate that and let something else control me. And that last word is foothold. The idea of how the devil can get a a stranglehold or a headlock or a foothold, whatever word you want to choose that I would view as synonymous, to, to get a handle on us. So how do we deal with that? Uh, every once in a while, you'll hear a formula that's pretty good. I, I'm not a huge formula this plus that always equals that type of a person. That's why I probably didn't do that great in algebra and geometry because I, I knew you got to you got to live by the detail of all that. But uh, there's a fellow, Mark Middleberg, had a book called Contagious Christianity, and he had a formula for that. He simply said H P plus. Uh, C-P equals M-I. And spiritually speaking, he said high potency. In other words, your strong relationship with God. You got some holy habits going on. You're walking with the Lord. Now, you put that type of a person around people. And when they have close proximity to people then all of a sudden there's going to be a maximum impact. God's going to use you in a great way. If you're all close to God but you're not around people, they'll never feel the effect. If you're not close to God but you're around everybody else, you're just a good time Charlie and everybody's going to have fun, but nobody's going to grow closer to God through you. So that type of a formula is important. With that in mind, there's not as much of a formula as I see a sequence. And the sequence is simply in this passage And actually through the rest of the chapter, what I would call the stop, God says, stop this, all right? Then he says, start this. And here's why. The stop, the start, and the why. Would you say that with me? The stop, the start, and the why. He wants it to make sense to us. In verse 25, he simply says, stop lying. You and I have to come to an understanding that we have to be truthful and live truthful lives with one another, or there's going to be a terrible effect. Well, after you stop lying, then you start telling the truth, and there's a lot of makeup that goes there. You've got to dive back in, and I've got to be truthful. I've got to be honest. I've got to be vulnerable. Now, why? Here's the twist on the why. He goes ahead and says in verse 25, because believers belong to each other. We absolutely belong to one another. Just kind of nudge the person to the right and the left. Just a little shoulder bump, just a little bit, okay? Say, so just reminding you I'm here, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, I haven't forgotten that. All right, I don't either. There, there's just this sense, sense sometimes we can, like, if we live our spiritual life like we're on, a, on an elevator, we just hit the button, go to the next floor, get off, and never interact at all. And God doesn't intend that. Here Paul says, the reason lying is so uh, devastating and hurts so much is because it tears apart this fellowship in the life of the body. We're part of the same body of Christ. That's why Paul tells the Romans, he says, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We need to have an empathy for one another. Now, the second little part of the passage in verses 26-27 takes it to a whole other level. But before we leave that, please tie in your mind, if you will, that lying is connected with anger. If there's one thing that will usually set somebody off and make them angry, it's if they have been lied to, boldly to their face and that that is that, that form of disrespect that is really hard to get over. So that's why God says stop living that way. Start living truthfully and realize it's because we belong to each other. Then he says in 26, 27, stop letting anger control you. If you're already into that and, and you're like the r- little red guy there in, in the film clip and you're just waiting to go off on somebody, you can't let that anger control you. Start resolving your anger daily. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And why? is because it could lead to something far worse. It'll take you where you don't want to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. It'll get us. It's eaten our lunch many times over if we've given ourselves to anger. So the question is, how do we resolve that? Honestly, how do we resolve our anger? And I think it's, it's simple, and yet it's very hard. And that's to process it prayerfully and carefully. Say that with me. Process it prayerfully and carefully. You look in the Old Testament and you see uh, they've just gotten out of the garden, Eden. Adam and Eve have kids, sin has entered into the world, now sin's gonna come on in a strong way in the life of Cain and Abel. And God says, I'd like to know what you think of me. And Abel says, here's the best little sheep I got, fattest and fluffiest, here he is, God, I love you. And Cain says, eh, here's some leftover corn, you know, some of the years of corn been nibbled off of, that's the best I got. He gave him the leftovers rather than the fat portions. The Bible says God did not look favorable Upon Cain's uh, pretense of, a, of an offering, but he looked favorably at Abel. Now, you may think, well, uh, God should have uh, set Cain down and talked with him. He did. <laughs> he sits him right down. And he says, You know what? Uh, Cain, uh, sin is crouching at your door. It is ready to take a hold of you and control you, but you have to control it. Don't let it control you. Now, if Cain would have known what was good for him, he would have gotten over himself and just said, God, I'm so mad, I can hardly see. I'm seeing red. Can we talk again tomorrow? No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't listen to God. He doesn't seek any advice. He lets anger rule in his heart. He doesn't process it prayerfully and carefully. You look at King Saul in the Old Testament, and Saul, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's the guy, but he doesn't walk with God real close, and he doesn't ask God what to do much very often on what to do next. And David is the young guy coming on, and he's going to take over for Saul. And, and because of his lack of relationship with God, if you will, the king has tremendous insecurity that will always drive our bus. If we're not close to God, insecurities will take us over, and Saul let that happen. So he hates David, and he pursues David, tries to kill him pretty much the rest of his life. That's not what you want to do. The, the way we want to process it is in the Old Testament, I love the story of Joseph. Uh, from about chapter 37 in Genesis all the way to chapter 50 when he dies. You see, and he was the favored son and he he had uh, some exempt employee status and he had a multicolored robe and he didn't have to get it dirty and, and his brothers resented that. He's one of the younger ones. Benjamin's the only one a little bit younger than him. So they don't like him at all. So they decide we're going to get rid of him and see what dad feels about that. And, and they are going to kill him. Then they uh, throw him in a pit. Then they decide, no, let's get some money for him. And they sell him into slavery and they take this multicolored robe back and they shred it to pieces, dip it in animal blood and say, dad, I don't know what happened. And they lie to their father and send him into a terrible downspin of grief. And they live with it for a while. So what happens is God uses Joseph, protects him, winds up bringing his whole family into Egypt to take care of them, prevents the loss of all of God's people. And and now Now, Joseph and his brothers are reunited, and they're always a little shaky. But in chapter 50, if you look at it closely, you'll see what happens. After Jacob, their father, dies, they buddy up to him, and they say, Ah, you know, Dad said before he uh, checked out, you know, that uh, to be nice to us. You know, and they they just, that's what they say. And and, uh, Joseph says, uh, Don't worry, who am I to do anything like that? And then he's truthful. If we're gonna be forgiving, if we're gonna get a handle on anger and not let it drive us, but take care of it, we have to be truthful. Here's how he was truthful. He said, what you did to me, you meant for harm. Let's be honest. I can't forgive you of what you did to me if I don't itemize, a little bit. Comprende? (laughs) Make sense? Okay. I, we, I have to know what I'm forgiven you of rather than, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> but how do we get through this? Joseph simply said to his brothers, what you intended for me, you intended harm. But I'm over that. I'm not holding you uh, that against you right now. What you did to me was intended for harm, but what God did, he used it for good yeah. to save many lives. And I'm telling you, if you and I can get to that point of realizing the things that make us angry in life, God perhaps might just be testing us in so that he can use the mistreatment that we have to use for his glory and his good and move on down the line. And that's how we process prayerfully and carefully all these things. Now, let's move on quickly. The three major truths to try to pull out of this. Number one is misrepresentation, lying. It angers people. It just makes me mad when somebody lies and it makes them if I have not been completely truthful with them and rightly so. The second truth is, and we've already hit it a little bit, believers belong to each other. Jesus simply said, uh, he said, they'll know you belong to me by the love you have for each other. I've always thought, oh, it's the love I have for God. Won't the world know that he matters to me by the way I love him? And Jesus said, well, That'll be nice, but if you don't get along with your brother or sister, then you're gonna have a problem and it's not gonna look well for me. What's that old saying? To live above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, and that's another story. It's hard, it's hard. And we have to work through those things. Now, the third thing is anger can be a gateway drug. It really can't. There is an addictive nature and biochemical element to venting. A lot of studies have gone on and found out when you vent and you unleash, it unleashes a few, uh, releases a lot of chemicals in your brain that feel pretty good. <laughs> and you say, When can I go off on somebody else? If that is within your personality. And you and I have to be careful, because that's what God was saying. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let it turn into something else. Now, I, 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 I love looking at Scripture and trying to figure out what's going on. Like I said, the start, pardon me, the stop, the start, and the why. The stop, the start, and the why. All through the end of the chapter. It's just one after another. Okay, stop this. Okay, start that. Here's why. Okay, next thing. And if you would go all the way down to verse 31, and if you want to do that and in your Bible, you can, but I've got it listed for you. Here is the gateway drug that it will take you to. He says, if you and I don't get a handle on our anger and process that before God prayerfully and carefully, it will lead us to, now say these words with me in the list in verse 31. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all types of evil behavior. Notice when you hit slander, it gets personal. And that's when it's hard to forgive, when we allow it to go that way or it's done to us in that way. Nathan and I sit down this last week and uh, uh, kick around the notes on where we're headed and all this and that. And I said, you know, Nathan, I think one of the things I really want to kind of dive in on is uh, I think I need to You know, the poster boy for this anger thing, I think, is the older brother in the prodigal son. If you stop and think about that, the older brother in the prodigal son, Uh, if you you know that story, uh, Luke 15, it's a beautiful chapter. uh, Because Jesus tells about a lost sheep and how you go after the one lost one, about a lost coin. And the lady looks after that till she finds it. And then the lost son and the ante just goes up, you know, from a sheep to a a valuable coin and to, to a child. And in the prodigal son, to refresh your memory on that one, a a man had two sons, Jesus said, older and younger, and the younger wanted his inheritance now. Now, the older one got a good amount, a half to two-thirds of the inheritance. That was in Jewish custom. But the younger said, if that's all I'm getting, I, getting I want it now and I want to blow it however I want to blow it. Very irresponsible, very punkish, but that's what he did. Jesus said he goes to his father and the father doesn't fight him. He gives him his share of inheritance, and that's it. I mean, this is it, okay? So he takes off, and he wastes it in immoral living. Hired prostitutes. He just kind of took a trip into the far country. If you know the story, he comes to his senses, but he doesn't come to his senses till he's out of money, out of friends, out of food, and here's a Jewish boy feeding pigs. Figure that one out, okay? That's, a you know, pig's unclean. And, And here he's wanting to eat with them. And he came to his senses. Turns around, starts home, and his reasoning is, how many of my father's servants don't have to do this? I've lost the right to be a son, but maybe if I gotta work for somebody, the rest of my life, I'd love to work for my dad. And he practices his speech, heads home. The father is on the porch, runs and meets him, hugs him, a ring on his finger, a robe around him, kills the fatted calf and celebrates. And the older brother out in the field still working, here's what's going on. A servant comes up and says, what's happened? And he is furious. And he comes in and he blows his stack at his dad. Saying, this son of yours doesn't call him his brother. This son of yours has done all this against you, against me, against you know. And, and, and he's, uh, and he just he itemizes everything that was bad that he did from the morality to the prostitute's whole thing. He says, and now you kill the fatted calf. I, you wouldn't even give a party for me. So he has resentment against everybody. And the loving father, towards the end of chapter 15, comes along to the elder son who is overtaken with hostility. And he reaffirms his love. And he just says, listen, you're here with me. And everything I have, I mean, don't spend my money till I'm gone. But everything that I leave is yours. Not changing the will. He blew that. He said, but you got to realize your brother, your brother was lost. Now he's found. He was dead. Now he's alive. Beautiful story. Beautiful passage to tug at the heart of the people that Jesus told that story to into our hearts today. That is the love of the Heavenly Father who wants everybody to come to faith. But sometimes there's the anger part of that. What was it? Nathan said last week. He talked about uh, a comment or two he might have heard on on Kanye West becoming a believer and and open with his faith. And somebody might holler out from the baptistry, "Well, prove it," and that kind of thing. I, I even hesitated to mention Con, uh, Kanye today. I thought I might slip and call him Conway, you know, and then. And- <laughs> Conway Twitty, oh boy, yeah, he's not a country singer. But that same principle is, is true on that. If you think that there will be people like the older brother that will look at new believers and, and be resentful. But that's what Jesus says is so important for us to get over so we don't wind up like the older brother. Now, each of the characters' phrases, the loving father, if you would condense that, he literally says to his uh, younger son, okay, here you go. Then his son comes home and he says, welcome home. And then he talks to both of them. And he says, I love you both. I, I love the loving father and the way he handles that with such maturity rather than matching the resentment to his, to his oldest son. The younger brother says, I'm out of here, comes to his senses and says, okay, I've been foolish. And then he verbalizes and says to his dad, I am so sorry. The resentful brother, older brother, finally, I get a room to myself. He's out of here. What are you doing back? He hated to see that. Then he whines and complains, This is not fair, and I'm mad about it. I want to take a survey just for a moment. You tell me as it appears on the screen. The older brother was angry because A, he asked to share a room with his brother again, B, his dad will soften and he'll lose some more inheritance money. Or see they're barbecuing his 4-H project. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure why he was mad, but he was, he was mad. <laughs> now, both of the sons, if you will, and the father, they all rehearsed their speeches. But the younger rehearsed his speech on the road there with repentance and he decided, I, I, I'm on the road, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say. But I got to, I got to think this through. And he, his speech, as he came back to his dad, was, "Father, I've sinned against." I've sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. And he's getting his good theology right. He's thinking it through as Jesus tells the story. There is a sin against heaven that we do when we're we're rebellious and stupid, and there's a sin against people that we do. And we need forgiven, and we need forgiven. Amen? Amen. You cannot just say, I've told God I'm sorry. Get over it. No, 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 no. That's pretty easy out. And you can't just say, I'm so sorry to you, and leave God out of it. It is vertical. It is vertical. Horizontal. He understood that. The older had been practicing that speech to go off on his dad for a long time. His wasn't on the road. His was in the field, and it was with resentment, not repentance. But the loving father, his speech was with mercy and grace, and it was on the porch waiting for his boy to come home. That's the heart. That's the heart that we want to have. That's the heart that he has for us. Now, I'm sure I told you this story. I've been here 20 years. I tell it every five, all right? So uh, I, I apologize on that. It's the best pizza I ever had. Now, at a glance, you're going to say, this ought to be good, all right, okay? Uh, I, I was heavily uh, affected by three mentors, uh, non-church mentors in life. Uh, Willie Mays wanted to play baseball like Willie Mays. Herb Alpert wanted to play a trumpet like Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass, you know? And Chef Boyardee, say no more on that last one, okay? <laughs> Anybody remember those little pizzas in a box? You know, I could inhale one of those things. Uh, and, and the college I went to in Lincoln, Illinois, had three good places for pizza. It had La Forno's, Gazzaro, and Sorrento's. And Lafornos. when you had a coupon, Sorrento's when you had insomnia, Gazzardo's when you had a date. And I knew every one of those really well. The best pizza I ever had, I can't remember what was on it. Sounds silly. I remember where I was, I remember when it was. Let me back up. In the life of the church, quite a few churches ago, as a youth minister, I got a little sideways with one of her volunteers. And they needed, I needed to ask them to take a break because we're button heads left and right on how to do this. I don't do that really well. I beat around the bush. I don't just couch things. I put out a whole sectional to make sure that you land fine, you know. It's not right. it's what I do. And that didn't work out really well and that made it really hard, and they took off and left, took a few with them. I wish I could have done it better, but I didn't. Three years of silence and a couple of attempts here there. He had gone on and he had a great heart for God and all that stuff, but sometimes it just, you just, it doesn't work out. And he had become a volunteer in, uh, at another church out in the country. And then they had hired him to do their youth ministry. And I'd heard, this will tell you how long ago it was, I had heard that he was having Rich Mullins. Anybody remember Rich Mullins? Great singer, long time ago. Great Christian artist, okay. He, uh, Rich had just recorded the song Uh, Our God is an awesome God. I love that being a long time ago. And he was having Rich in, but while he's just touring, and I heard that and I thought this might be a good gesture. I'll send 25 of our kids out of the youth group. Send them on. I'm out of town, but I'm going to make sure they get there. And I talked with them and they loaded the bus and they went over to support that concert that he did. And it was a good thing because with my 25, they only had 40 at the whole thing. And he gives me a call the next week. He says, hey, Ross, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing? Yeah, okay. Hey, just want to say thanks for sending those kids. It really helped the concert and good time. Didn't have as many as I thought we would, but it it was good. Just want to say thanks. I said, well, you're sure welcome. And by the way, you're doing awesome, and I'm hearing great things of what you're doing. That's what I want to talk to you about. I just want to know, do you believe in free speech? I said, yeah. He said, good, come give one. I said, uh, he said, yeah, we're doing a little outreach in a couple of months. So I'd love to have you come on a, on a, a Tuesday night and, and just talk to our kids and some other church. I said, I, would be honored to. Went, talked, can't tell you what I said, but our families went out for pizza that night. Best pizza I ever had, but I could not tell you what was on it. <laughs> now I had rehearsed a couple of speeches like that for quite a while, but I didn't know what I'd be in for. And I wanna ask you today, are you rehearsing any speeches? Are, are there some speeches of apology or some other kind of speeches of repentance or releasing and letting somebody go? Because what happens sometimes in our life, we never take time to self-examine. We never take time to say, God, Here's my heart. I'm struggling with this. Doggone it, I'm mad. And and I'm not seeing any change over there either. And that's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down. Deal with it daily. You may not resolve it today, but you'll deal with your part daily. That's why in Psalm 139, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. James says in chapter five, verse 16, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, right now as we prepare our hearts for communion, we're gonna have a moment where we celebrate the bread and the juice, the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ to realize that the body that we are all a part of is his body and Paul was very clear later on in 1 Corinthians 11 when you do this when we remember him you take a look at him at the cross and you take a look at yourself examine your own heart so i i want to ask you maybe as we get ready for the lord's supper today ask yourself am i harboring something am i holding on to something that i need to release of, of frustration disappointment anger am i mad who am I mad at why A- am i discoloring all of that am i kind of tainting my view and and, and looking back well uh, here's how it kind of really happened and here's why and justifying are you working hard to stay mad and maybe have i da- done some damage am i am i hurting somebody else those are the things i think god wants us to look at perhaps today. So right now, as we bow, if you bow your head with me, let's just pray that God would work in us as we celebrate his son. Father, we all have a lot of things heavy within our heart at times. I just thank you for meeting us where we are, letting your word speak to our hearts. And I pray as we remember your son, Jesus, right now, you'd help us let go. Help us acknowledge. Help us examine. Help us process. Help us resubmit our heart respectfully back to you. We thank you for what your son Jesus did on the cross. And we ask your blessing on this moment in his name.